What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Big Ben, or as he's going to call me here in a second, Doug. Once again, Doug is not with us. He actually had to work tonight. Uh, yeah, UPS. Great. I, I can say whatever I want about him. He can't, but I, I would not be happy with the situation he has to deal with. But uh, Tug is here with okay. me. I was going to say, until they deliver my package tonight, they're the bane of my existence. So I'm with <laughs> you on the UPS 8 train. Fair enough. But we're not here to talk about UPS and packages not showing up on time. We're here to talk about some football. And we got a packed show for you today. We're going to talk some NFL, college, and uh, non-NFL pro news. But really, our college news is going to be looking at the most exciting time of the year as we crown the college football national champion and the NCAA college football division one national champion. Notice those are two different things. We're going to do some SCF talk here and yeah, Hey, it's the return of NFL previews. So get up for it, get ready for it. And uh, let's hop right into it. Let's do it. And once again, as uh, Doug has made it a tradition, I guess we'll have to pick a different team next year. But we're going to start this show off with the team that we started most of our NFL news segments off with. That's the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy allegedly is going to be done after this game, although Pace's future, Ryan Pace, the general manager, his future is uncertain. Uh, there are rumors swirling that he may stay with the organization, just not in that capacity as general manager. Whatever. I don't. I think he's a decent enough talent scout. I think he's got a decent enough idea of what he's doing there. I don't like him being the man that has the final say, though. That's fair. When you were talking about Nagy there, I just want to highlight it for the listeners um, because they can't see it. You definitely fought the biggest smile that I've seen you smile in a long time talking about that. So (laughs) I enjoyed watching you smile, internally smile, as you were saying Matt Nagy's going to be fired after this week. Well, and so here's here's the biggest thing. So Justin Fields, he is on the COVID reserve list. However, and that's like new as of today, Thursday at time of recording here, but he was supposed to be starting this final game of the season against the Vikings. So that would have been the third starter in three consecutive weeks. And I don't think Nick Foles had to start. I think Andy Dalton was healthy. And even so, Nick Foles did fine. Why did we go back to Dalton? And then Dalton did good enough, too. Why are we going to go back to Justin Fields in a meaningless game at the end of the season? I don't like and this is If this is Matt Nagy's farewell tour, trying to go through all three quarterbacks in his last three games, I, I guess he was trying to prove something, trying to save his job. I don't know. Uh, there was no saving it. He, he was fired in theory by, like, week eight. It's just the Bears have this thing against firing a coach midseason. They still refuse to do it, although you might have been able to salvage your season had you fired him and got somebody semi-competent back there. Now, they're one of three organizations that's never fired a coach midseason, and Nagy did miss a game on the sidelines. It's unfortunate the Bears didn't win. However, that was about as good of a performance as you could have had to show that Nagy is the real issue uh, and not win that game. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, and, you know, it's just it's how how the dice fall, man. Moving yeah. on, though, we talked about the Washington football team and their name change. I'm still firmly of the belief that it's the Admirals. Uh, what's funny to me, though, is, you know, we mentioned that there is a major league Quidditch team, which it's an obscure, ridiculous sport, but they have a trademark for the name and a logo. And if Admirals is what they went with, it's extra funny that they didn't go with Wolves or Red Wolves because of trademark and copyright issues. And that was all from their legal team. Now, not being a Washington football team fan, you're probably like, well, how did you figure that one out? This There's a hype video out. And that is actually, I saw the, the still image of the stars on the jersey. But that's where that image came from. They do show little pieces of the jersey to two legendary all-time Washington football team Redskins players, and they had brought them, brought them, they had brought them in to be consultants as far as the rebrand goes. 
It's a really did cool you, video. Huh? Did Did you see anything other than stars in that video, or is that the only thing that's tipping you that it's the admirals? No. So there's there's a lot. So that and then the uh, of course the uh, the URL. But here's the other thing. I mentioned that they were going to keep the same colors and they go through the you know just showing little different pieces of the uniform it looks crisp it's that same burgundy it's that same gold red color they show some of the numbers some of the pants it's actually a very cool video to go watch they also show ron rivera the helmet and you see them pulling it out and handing it to him to look at it of course, they have it blurred out because the logo is on the helmet. Here's the issue. You can clearly see the reflection of the helmet in the window behind Ron Rivera. And I say you can clearly see the reflection. You can tell that the logo's there. They didn't blur the logo out. It is some form of a W. And that's about all I could really make out for certain looking at that. Uh, but of course, you know, there's sluice everywhere. They're trying to figure out exactly what it is. And it's just even more things leading people to think that it's the admirals. So the only thing that gets me with this, um, with everything you're saying, there's stars. Cool. The DC Defenders had stars. It's it's part of DC, right? Unless I see something that directly, like in A, if I saw an A, I'd be more on board with it. I still think you're right. I'm just not not as sold with it. Uh, I haven't seen the video, though, so if you want to send that to me at some point, I'd appreciate it. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I, I understand you want to keep your fan base, but, man, this was your time to completely rebrand into something different. Which, at this point, they need to do. Not not because, you know, fans and things like that. Because their name is so tainted now all over the place. They don't have a stadium. Their owner is under how many different investigations. Their front office itself is under how many different investigations. Like, like, the entire organization is a dumpster fire even if they're putting out a solid product on the field the entire organization is a dumpster fire right now i i i'm at the point where i think this is a a missed opportunity to be completely honest with you i disagree but i also don't think that you're entirely wrong i just don't see the reason to do like if you're going to do a complete rebrand you might as well move the team at that point too and that's not going to happen like, that is absolutely a way to alienate your team. I don't think the colors are that big of an issue that you have to change it or else people aren't going to, you know. I don't no, know. For, I, for, me it's, for me, it's more of the we have so much crap going on. Let's just, I mean, like you said, moving it would have been just as good. Uh, so I think it's a bad idea. So at that point, you're already rebranding to a degree. Just full send it at that point. My personal opinion. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not for the color change. I don't. I don't know. I think that's kind of silly to be like that's that would be the way to fix their issues. That would be the way to it's, really start changing fix, things. The, because the, it doesn't fix their issues. It just you still the have colors, the same issues, change, but you change yeah. the colors though. It does nothing except anger your anger and alienate your fans even more. The issue is Dan Snyder and the whole group that's running that team there. However, some of the things that they're kind of lying about and they're being accused of of just not being forthright with might be happening in Tampa Bay. Now, we mentioned that Antonio Brown, you know, we, I, I think I said there's no way that somebody's this big of an asshole. I think that's exactly what I said. And I honestly, I also said I hope that's what it was because I definitely didn't want it to be CT. I didn't want to see somebody with that much talent have that severe of an injury that it would make them act out like that. Now, I think it is still that he's a little bit of an asshole, but I understand it a lot more now, too. Antonio Brown put out a statement about why he did what he did, why he left the game the way he did, and... I'll I'll say this: there are images of alleged text messages between 
him and Bruce Arians, and then also him and Tom Brady's trainer. Uh, that's a completely separate issue that's going on right now as well. You can take you can take the text messages however you want for what it's worth. But he has been dealing with an ankle injury. He said he was dealing with an ankle injury. He had gone to a doctor. The reason he hadn't been cut until today on Thursday is because he had gone to a doctor to get out evaluated. And Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers wanted him to go to their team doctor. The issue is once he started to think about on the sideline, I guess, while, you know, in between plays, when the defense was on the field, whatever it was, he was like, man, this is this is messed up. They just pumped this stuff into my ankle to get me to play. And I'm not I'm not about that. I'm not going to go back out there, which is also well, he why was, he was still in pain with it, too. Now, right. now it's worth highlighting. It's worth highlighting that the drug they were giving him is stronger than cortisone and the NFLPA has recommended against players using it, which is I which mean, is this is at the all po- in his statement, too. Yeah. This is at the point where, and this was not in his statement. This came out, I think, a day prior. Um, his friends and family were worried about the amount of pain he was playing through. That says a lot. Like, Antonio it, Brown is known for playing through injuries. Yeah, and it. what's concerning to me is how much back and forth there is. His past actions have not helped him, and even actions this year are not helping him at all. Having a fake COVID card, having to miss games because of that, that's why especially the text messages come into question, and you've got very conflicting statements. But of course, the Buccaneers aren't going to say, oh yeah, he told us he was in pain, but we still want him to play, so that's why we just pumped him with this shot. I just, I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand, you know, I, there's... There's way more to this than I think we will ever fully know. I don't think the truth will ever really come out. If this is any other player that does this, you know, and it was this was their sole action, I think everybody would have a much, you know, they probably still, like I'm saying, think ah, he's a little bit of an asshole. Because the way that Antonio Brown left the field, the theatrics he made of it, I get it. Uh, that's I think that's a reasonable thing, and I think if you if Antonio Brown was right here, be like you were kind of an asshole. He'd be like, yeah, but this is why, and that's fine. I don't mind that. Understanding what happened and trying to get the full story, the full truth, is something I am seriously doubting we will ever absolutely completely get here. Then the thing is too, like I don't have everything completely pulled up here. I feel like we're still actually even forgetting one or two things. Yeah, no, it, there's too much to talk about with this. Um, and, and you're right, we're never going to know the full the full story. There's a ton of backdoor stuff that definitely went down. Um, Antonio Brown saying, or I I did not see the, see the press release from Bruce Arians where he said he didn't know Antonio Brown was dealing with an ankle injury, but if he had said that, he lied through his teeth. Uh, he was on the injury report. Those text messages clearly show that AB was texting him the night before about it. Like, absolutely off. If uh, Bruce Arians had said, I didn't know he was dealing with an ankle injury, I I would lose all respect for him as a coach. It's just, this is the first time where Antonio Brown has done something and the other side has come out looking just as awful. And it's... I don't know. You got to you got to kind of rethink everything that this guy's been through. And I'll say this, too. He even admits that he's had to he's been working on himself, trying to better himself as a person. Ever since, you know, he left the Steelers and then dealt with all the things with the Raiders. He mentions that all in his press release, too. So. I don't know. I, I hope he gets it figured out. I, I think he deserves another chance. That's my personal opinion. Because if anything he said is even half true, and the Buccaneers even admit that he did not see their own team doctor or a doctor that they chose, which I don't think you should have to, by the way. But that alone, like, that makes me believe that there's more truth to what Antonio Brown is saying than there is what the Buccaneers are saying. I guess we'll just leave it there. Yeah. A little more player drama 
Calvin Ridley, he's missed, what, most of the season, right? He took a leave of absence for his mental health. Right. And it sounds like there's kind of a mutual parting of ways between him and the Falcons. I don't know if this is Ridley slowly, quietly working towards retiring or if Atlanta is just not the right situation for him anymore. I can tell you it's probably not the right situation. They're not making any any moves to really improve. I haven't seen it yet. Um, do you know if this is a release or if this is going to be a trade? At this point, I'm not sure. This was just something that I came across on Twitter. This was per Bobby Thompson on Twitter. Okay, because everything I'm looking at shows that it they are mutually parting ways, but it looks like it's going to be a trade option, which makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, if he's willing, if he wants to be traded, he's willing to be traded. I would imagine leaving Atlanta is probably going to be what's best for him personally. Absolutely. And I I will beat this drum, assuming he continues to play. I will take Calvin Ridley over to Sean Watson at this point in Miami. Oh, don't worry. You're getting no, both Not that I, I don't have that many first-round picks. Calvin Ridd is not worth first round pick at this point anymore, but that's a different discussion. Anyway, our last, we're going to try and end on a high note or at least a hilarious note talking about the NFL here. There is a class action lawsuit against both the New York football giants and the New York Jets for their use of New York in the name. Now, the lawsuit seeks $2 billion in monetary damages and $4 billion in punitive damages, according to the suit. And the class action would include all Giants and Jets fans who live in New York, which some of the things I saw cited, that is a piece that doesn't make any sense because it specifically talks about people going to their first Giants or Jets game and getting there and realizing they're in New Jersey. So you would think, too, that that would have to include people that weren't in, that don't live in New York. But, it, you know, I I don't know. I think it's funny. I doubt they get a cent, but I love it. I love everything about it. This is a new way of suing your football team for losing, and I enjoy it because if they're winning, nobody does this. But these two teams have been so bad for the past four or five years now that fans are fed up and they're like, you know what? No, no, you cannot use the, you cannot use New York in your name anymore. You're giving us a bad name. And it's like, guys, chill. You give yourselves a bad name. Yeah. I mean, you thought that, uh, you thought having, uh, having a losing team was bad. You thought having, uh, bad players was bad. You thought the New York media was bad. Well, sounds like New York lawyers are the worst. But what do I know? I could have confirmed that a long time ago. But that's it for the NFL news. We do have some non-NFL pro news to get to. We noticed last episode when we had some type of issue downloading our audio files into our editing software. So a little bit got cut off, and I'm going to rehash those two things. The FCF store is pretty small anyway, so I'm not super concerned. We'll still just get to that at the end here. But as far as the USFL goes, I'm actually kind of glad it got cut off because we also, uh, I've had a thought since then. You know, we mentioned that the roster size, there's going to be practice squads and seven players per team. I'm starting to think, though, the more I've thought about it, that these practice squads are going to be similar to the taxi squads that we're seeing in the NHL. It's going to be some way to have some COVID mitigation for the league because as we've seen, even this past week, guys are entering COVID protocol for the final week of the season, and it's kind of hurting the NFL. You know, Everybody should be excited to see these last games. Most of them are going to be intriguing, even though there's nothing at stake in all but like four of them. I don't know. I, I kind of like the move. But that's not all we have about the USFL. There have also been four coaches announced. Mike Riley, he'll coach the New Jersey Generals. Todd Haley, he'll coach the Tampa Bay Bandits. Kevin Sumlin will be coaching the Houston Gamblers. And Bart 
Andrews will be coaching the Philadelphia Stars. Bart Andrews, you know, he's he was a head coach in NFL Europe. He's been coaching in the CFL. Most recently, he was coaching at the University of Ottawa up in Canada. And he's also been involved in the Spring League and the second version of the XFL for the past couple seasons. He was the coach of Team 9, which was the practice squad team in the XFL. That's how they did it. It was just all one team. I don't know. I think he's he's an interesting one. He's been coaching for, God, almost 40 years in some capacity or another. So it's it's pretty cool that he's going to be involved with this. Of course, Kevin Sumlin, he's made his name, buttered his bread down at the college level, most recently at Arizona. I think it's kind of impressive that he's leaving Arizona, but at the same time, look at how bad Arizona's been this past couple of years, right? Probably, uh, if you're a gambling man, don't gamble on the Houston Gamblers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, going back in order still, Todd Haley, his most recent job, he was an offensive coordinator in a high school. Before that, a couple of years prior, actually, he took a little time off. He'd been an offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers. And before that, a head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Most of his experience is in the NFL, but there's a reason he was coaching high school, right? Uh, yeah. Of course, of course, last but not least, we got Mike Riley. His most recent coaching action has also been in these spring leagues that have popped up. He was coach of the San Antonio Commanders in the AAF. That is the OC and quarterbacks coach for the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. He's had various jobs in the NFL and Division One level. I mean, even coaching the in the uh, CFL for a little bit. I don't know, man. I I don't hate any of these. Todd Haley's the one I'm most shaky with. Kevin Sumlin's right up there too. I think Bart Andrews is by far the best coach they got out of the four. And he's the one I'd absolutely never heard of in my entire life. So, yeah, I'm I'm more concerned about the name for the Philadelphia team. That just seems blasphemous to go with the Philadelphia Stars, considering their biggest rival is the Dallas Cowboys, which also has the Stars logo. I don't know. Just personally, I don't know. It just doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, but that's the whole state of Texas too. That's not just Philly. You could have gone with the Philadelphia Liberty, like the yeah, Bells. They, they just kept with the same names from the original. It's fine. You could have gone with Philadelphia Cheesesteak, too, and that would have been cool. That would have been ridiculous. Anyway, last bit of news we have here. We don't have any college news. We're going to spend all that time talking about the upcoming national championship games. The FCF Fan Council. I've been asking, finally got a response. Should be getting that second Fan Council survey later this week, is what I was told. So, you know, we'll just, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm waiting, I'm anxious, and I'll definitely be sure to fill you guys in on whatever little details and nuggets I can pass along to everybody listening. But hey, man, I think it's time to get into uh, some college football, man. What do you say? It is Natty Championship Week. Let's get into it. Oh, yeah, brother. All right, so as promised, we told you we missed a few games and that we were originally just going to give you the record of the BDT trend trading so you could see how they did stacked up against Doug, Tug, and myself. But their final ratings are as follows, 23-12 and 12 after factoring in the Outback, Citrus, Fiesta, Rose, and Sugar Bowls. I know it's not the way you expected us to start off, but worth mentioning. And as a reminder, Doug won, Trench Ratings got second, I got third, and Tug, you brought up the rear there. But let's move on to the main event of the show here. Our FCF, FCS, sorry, playoffs, the national championship of the NCAA Division I college football is this Saturday, January the 8th. It is North Dakota State versus Montana State. As a reminder, our picks have been locked in for about two weeks now. I'm going North Dakota State. Doug is also going with the Bison and Tug. 
you were going with Montana State. I'm not going to change my pick. I doubt Doug will either. What do you think? Last chance. You want to change your pick in the, in the 11th hour? No, nah, man, I really don't because I'm looking at, at this game and both of these teams are evenly matched. And for me, that plays in the favor of Montana State. Uh, they've been outplaying teams that are better than them across the board. I love Missouri Valley. I love what it is. I love what it does. But something tells me Montana State has this one. See, and I would argue that this actually goes in favor of North Dakota State, and here's why. The biggest thing that I'm looking at is this spring season that was unprecedented and definitely tough for everybody, but particularly particularly North Dakota State. Trey Lance, who had just led them to a national championship the year prior, decides, I'm not going to play in the spring because I'm going to go to the NFL draft. I'm going to play in the NFL. And even with that, North Dakota State had the better season. And why is that? Because Montana State opted out of the pandemic season. And, uh, you know, they were able to get a little extra time with that new coaching staff not having to play anybody. But North Dakota State's got more experience. They've been here. They've done it all. They've had a few stumbles. So has Montana State. I'm going to give credit to the team that's worked harder, longer, and the team that just has more experience. I mean, it's all valid points, but... Like I said, sometimes you just got to pick what your gut says. And upsetting Sam Houston, upsetting all of the teams they did along their their um, playoff run. Not to mention they have this dude known as Touchdown Tommy. He was their backup true freshman quarterback um, who in four games has 11 touchdowns, six on the ground couple through the air and one or a few through the air and one receiving touchdown. Uh, So, so, yeah. Not to mention, he also almost has as many rushing yards as he has passing yards, which means they run that option offense. And, man, you know I like me an option offense. Yeah, I think this game is really going to intrigue anybody who likes old-school ground-and-pound football. Both of these teams, their strategy is to shove it down your throat, wear you down, and try to beat you on the ground, and then – when you're just too tired to deal with that anymore, they take the top off. And it's kind of been the, I guess, I guess the, uh, the recipe for success, especially for North Dakota State. They've won, what, eight of the last ten national championships? Or they've been in eight of the last ten national championships? Man, if this, yeah, they've actually won eight of the last ten national championships. I was right the first time. They're the class of the FCS for a reason. And we we constantly talk about and we're seeing different teams moving up from the FCS. I don't understand how North Dakota State isn't consistently at the top of that list because it seems like a lot of these teams are going up to the FCS to just get away from playing North Dakota State so they don't have to do that anymore, right? It's It's interesting. Look, I thought South Dakota State was going to run away with the national championship game last year, and then Sam Houston went on a tear that nobody expected and extended into this fall too, right? So we'll see what happens. Who knows? Who knows? It's worth mentioning too, this new head coach at Montana State. You know where he played college football? North Dakota State. You know, where he was an assistant coach for over two decades? North Dakota State. Yeah. So this is a guy that's very so, familiar with this team and how they operate. I was going to say, so you're telling me he has experience in the national championship too? He does. And I think there's definitely something to be said there with having a leader who understands the moment and is able to bring it down to that level. But at the same time, you're not that program. You're not there anymore. This is a whole new group of guys. One thing I think he's got to lean on is, hey, you just took out the defending national champions and then just beat Sam Houston. They whooped them. They embarrassed them. North Dakota State, you're looking at it. 
I'm kind of disappointed that they had to face James Madison when they did. I would have rather seen them play James Madison for the championship. But that was probably the most anticipated game of the season in the FCS. It was. It's gonna, like like I said, it's going to be, be a really good game. You have the top two scoring defenses in the FCS going up against each other. It's going to be a low-scoring slugfest the entire game. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I can't wait for it. I'm honestly more excited for this than I am for the other national championship game. The other. You mean the SEC conference championship. championship? Yeah, part two. I'm still. I'm going to start this off by saying I still subscribe to the fact, to the conspiracy, I guess that Georgia threw that game to get two SEC teams into the college football playoff, the college football invitational here. I'm going to run back down through our picks here. I'm still going with Bama because of the same reason you are. I'm just not comfortable picking against Nick Saban and Alabama in the national championship game, nor am I comfortable picking against Nick Saban against a former staff member. Doug's going with Georgia. His note is Bama's got to lose eventually. I think more what he's saying is Bama has to eventually fucking lose to Georgia. They've had their number for far too long for a program that looks like they finally turned the corner as far as not being to do enough to get where they want to be. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I'm going to start us off here. I'm going to take the lower seat. I'm going to talk about Georgia a little bit. Uh, and I, I'm going to highlight why Georgia might win, and then I'm going to go with why Georgia might lose, and I'll pass it to you to kind of do the same thing for Bama here. All right, so so why Georgia might win. Their entire team runs through their defense, right? When they played in the SEC championship game, Georgia's defense came out flat. It, it looked like they didn't even know there was a game going on for like the first half of that game before they started playing again. I I don't foresee them making that same mistake. This seemed like a classic case of we're the number one seed. Nobody's, you know, held a torch to us all season. We're just going to roll over Bama. The same mistake everybody gets into. Uh, they fell for the psychological trap that is Bama. Um, because let's be honest, at this point, playing Bama is a psychological trap as much as it is a tough game, right? You, there's just this stigma of, playing Bama. You think they're better than they might be. Uh, and it, it's hard to overcome that. I think Georgia's going to come out ready. I think they're going to come out prepared. Uh, and if they do, that's that's why they win this game. If they lock down, play their brand of football, Georgia will win this game. Now, why Georgia might lose? When I'm looking at this, I have some serious questions on their offense. They don't really have a name-brand quarterback. They have... <laughs> I guess I can legitimately say this they have dollar discount dalvin cook uh, and his younger brother james cook uh who's a really good running back but that's not going to get the job done when bama can come out you know milk the clock if they need to or throw quick uh and score quick if they need to right you, you can't just rely on that that one play if the other thing is bama's offensive line is really good georgia's defense runs through their defensive line if Georgia, and we say it every week, if Georgia cannot win in the trenches, at least defensively this week, Bama comes out with this one. And that's kind of what I see happening. Bama's going to come out, establish the line early like they did against Cincinnati. And once Bama gets going, there's no stopping them. Here's my thing, and I'm going to pick up right where you left off of why I think Bama will actually lose this game. I'm going to do this in reverse order. But the biggest thing I've got here is – you look at the past two games for each team and look at offensive production. And in this case, I'm going to be looking at Bama's offensive production and relate that to how Georgia played. Georgia's defense played horribly. The best defense in the country gave up more yards to Alabama, more total yards to Alabama than Cincinnati, a team that people are still saying didn't belong, right? 482 to 536. You guys can do the math. I'm not going to do it for you. What I find most impressive about this statistic, though, is that Bama got it done on the ground against Cincinnati, 301 yards. 
against Georgia, they only got 115. The run game was matched up very well in this, 115 to 109. And even the passing game wasn't all that far off, 340 for Georgia to 421 for Bama. Here's the problem, though. Cincinnati was able to hold Bama's passing attack to 181. Now, you can say that's because they were able to get so much done on the ground. But you're still, you still can't look me in the face and tell me Cincinnati didn't belong when they were able to hold this high-powered offense to 181 yards through the air when the best defense in the country gives up 421 yards of offense through the air. I say all of this because Georgia already knows how to stop this Bama run game. They're going to be able to stop this Bama pass game this time around. I don't think we're going to see another 700-plus passing yard game in this SEC championship, which is essentially what this is. The other reason Bama is going to have some issues is because Georgia's consistent, right? Alabama, Michigan, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Georgia only put up an additional 60 yard total yards, around 60 total yards against Michigan than they did against Alabama. They were just able to get into the end zone a few more times. However, that does work in Bama's favor. They know pretty much what to expect. It seems like there's almost a cap to how much Georgia can do. Again, you know, Michigan lost by more than Cincinnati lost to Bama. It would be easy for me to sit here and say, well, obviously Michigan didn't belong, right? I think more of what this shows is that when you get to similarly uh, similar match teams with Georgia, when they're playing an equal instead of the lowly likes of Tennessee and uh, Georgia Tech, Charleston Southern. I love how you just took a shot at Tennessee. Absolutely love it. You knew I wasn't going to let that one pass me by. But when they're, when they're playing an equal, it's almost like there's a cap to what they can do, right? And I think everybody was kind of shocked to start the season with what they were able to do against Clemson. I don't think anybody expected that. And it put a lot of people in like, oh, they're the best team ever. Look at what they just did to the Clemson Tigers who've been dominating college football. Which they didn't even score that much. They scored one touchdown and held Clemson to three points. Right. You know exactly what you're getting from Georgia. Throw in here that Bama's already done it once. That does mean something, even if it is harder to beat a team more than once in a season. Whatever, man. There's there's too much talent on this offense, right? Bryce Young at quarterback. I think he just set the SEC championship game passing record for yards the second year in a row this has been done, which is a whole different issue, by the way. John Mechie's looked great. He's been for Alabama what Jackson, Smith, and Jigbo was in that Rose Bowl game, but he's been doing it all year, whereas Smith and Jigbo's had to find his times to do it because there's other guys on that team, right? I'm looking at, will this Bama defense be able to do enough to stop that Georgia offense? And when you look at the Georgia offense, there's Stenson Bennett. And he's just, eh? Eh? I mean. I was going to say, he's just Stetson Bennett. Like, there's no yeah. other way of putting it. He is just, I, I, I can't say good or bad. He's just that. Yeah, so I. I do think that these two teams legitimately are evenly matched, not so much in the same way that North Dakota State and Montana State are. It's a very different even matchup, I guess, if you want to still call it that. But I don't know, man. I They're evenly matched because where Montana State and North Dakota State are strong defense against strong defense, this is Bama's strong offense against Georgia's strong defense, right? It's strength against strength. Um, and then the one thing I would say that you, you didn't include, maybe you were about to, and I'm sorry for stepping on you here, would be the, the big thing, the big advantage I give Bama here is Nick Saban. Like, I, I, I hate to say it, but in college football, in football, the coach really does mean that much. 
Nick Saban is a massive advantage for Alabama right now. Well, and the only people on that field that haven't been to a national championship game are freshmen and sophomores. You got a lot of guys in that locker room that have been on this stage before. And, you know, a lot of people, there's guys in the NFL that will say, yeah, the SEC championship was a bigger deal than the national championship, whatever. The point, actually, I take that back. The only people that haven't been to a national championship game for Alabama are freshmen. I got my years mixed up. But that's besides the point. It's There's something to be said for that. The moment's not going to get to these guys. I think ultimately that's what gives Bama the edge here. Same reason I give North Dakota State just that little bit of edge as well. There's no other real reason to honestly take the teams I'm taking. Because everything that I've talked about, even trying to say that Bama's going to win and why I think they're going to win, a lot of it comes down to you know, me trying to talk myself out of why they're going to win, honestly. I, I don't think either team is going to go out there and lay an egg. And that's honestly all I can hope for is that we have a good game because I am so, so tired of not having good national championship games, good college football playoff games. Agreed. On all accounts, agreed. But that's it. That's all we got for college football. I wish Doug had been here to talk about it, but he should be back to talk to us about his reactions to the game. So we'll just have to see how all of that shakes out. Fair enough. Let's roll right on into NFL. We, we finally have some games. Yeah, this this is the first time in a while, and uh, we'll update you and remind you of our pick records here. Um, kind of disappointing that it's going to come down to one game that's going to decide who the pick champion is. Oh Jesus! We haven't picked uh, in a while, so this this week we'll determine our regular season pick champion, and uh, then we'll figure it out for the playoffs. I'll go first, and. Uh, you want to take Doug's game, or I can take it. Doesn't matter. If you're going first, you take it. I'll go, and then you clean up with Doug's. That works. I'll take Saints Falcons, and that's because there's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching going on in this game. Both these games are, or this game is taking place at 4:25 Eastern, and uh, Saints 49ers is also taking place at 4:29 Eastern. I'm gonna let you take it. I'm gonna let you take your game away from here and explain why this is so interesting. Yeah. So, in your game, like you said, there's gonna be a lot of scoreboard watching. In my game, there don't need to be any of that. I'm taking the Niners taking on the Rams. Um, and honestly, this is simple. Uh, it's simple for the Niners. Uh, the Rams already have their playoff spot locked up. They can't really do anything uh, to get into the number one seed. The Packers already have that locked up. So it's it's just a game for the Rams. But for the Niners, there's something on the line here. Uh, you win and you're in. It's that simple. The Niners go into L.A. They do their business. They take care of business. They go home with a W. They're playing next week. If they lose, they're probably going to end up watching the playoffs from home. Uh, the reason they're probably going to end up watching the playoffs from home is because the Saints are playing the Falcons, and that should be a relatively easy win for the Saints. Should be. Absolutely. Um, so it's like I said, it, it's simple. Niners, it, it's on you guys. Put this together, and you're you did it, man. You're going to the playoffs. And I guess let's just go straight to our picks for these two games. At least we're all taking the Saints. You and I are both taking the Rams. Doug is taking the 49ers. Yep. I guess he thinks the motivation to get into the playoffs is going to do it for him. I haven't seen and haven't honestly been looking to see if Calvin, or not Calvin, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, and a handful of other guys are going to be sitting for the Rams. I know there's been good news about Cam Aker in the past day or so. I, I can't imagine that they would activate him for this game and risk him getting hurt just before the playoffs. You imagine a fresh Cam Akers going into the playoffs? That'd be awesome. Assuming he's at 100%, yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know. I, I do see Doug's logic here. I think the Rams are going to be well off the gas. I can't imagine too many defensive starters are going to be out there, which is very good if you're the 49ers. But at the same time, 
I've seen this story before, right? I've seen a team yeah, coast a little bit against a divisional opponent in one of the last games of the year, lose it, that divisional opponent gets in, and then, uh, oh yeah, they go on to win the fucking Super Bowl, and it's the only one that asshole ever got. That takes us to our last game here, though. That's Doug's game. He's going to Indianapolis and Jacksonville. And uh, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014 for really no good reason. So the game might be really good. It also might keep the Colts out of the playoffs, which is uh, tied into We've our bonus game. This. Yeah, we've already talked about it. We'll, we'll remind you why, though. Uh, and Doug has also noted it would make him laugh if the Colts missed the playoffs, and we'll explain how that will happen if they lose to Jacksonville. Doug's taking the Colts. Doug, you also sticking with the Colts? I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the Colts here. Uh, I see you are going to uh, die on the hill that is Jacksonville. I want to see this happen. I don't I, – I legitimately do not care if this costs me the picks solely because I want it to happen so bad. I want our bonus game to end up being a tie. That is the Chargers and the Raiders. If Jacksonville wins and the Chargers and Raiders tie – they're in. And, and the Colts are watching the playoffs from home. Exactly. And I got to look at what the tiebreaker reason is. But technically, if the Steelers win, I think they have a three-way tie with a tie with the Chargers and the Raiders. So it yep. it's very clear that the Chargers and Raiders would be the ones in and not the Steelers. I've got to look at why, though. That kind of ties in nicely, though, because my player to watch is Big Ben. This is his potentially final regular season game ever and probably definitely his last regular season game as a Steeler against the division foe. Again, they added this 17th game, this 18th week. I got to say, I love the fact that we're going to get to see divisional matchups here. And this is why. Sure, there's probably no playoff implications here. However, if they're able to knock off the Ravens to finish out the season strong, man, that'd be awesome to see. Yeah, man, it it really would. Uh, Jumping in here with my player, uh, there's a reason I'm picking the the Rams in this one. Um, And it's I don't trust that Niners defense. That being said, it's going to be on this Niners defense to slow down that Rams passing attack. And that is going to start and end with Nick Bosa. If he can get in the backfield early, start making plays, he's a disruptive force. And that that will be the reason that they win. I just I don't see Nick Bosa having that type of impact, that type of a game in this game. But there's always that possibility he's always that elite X-Factor type player. Oh, 100%. And, man, it, I, I'm i curious to see how much the Rams sit their starters this game. Because depending on what that is, the Snyder's defense might just have to do enough, right? That's the tough thing here, too, is because they are going to be playing their starters. They're going to be playing their asses off. And the Rams got to be sitting there like, what do we really want to do, right? Doug's player is Derrick Henry. How can it not be, right? We've talked about that Jonathan Taylor passed him in rushing yards, but it took him several weeks after Henry's injury to be able to do that. And, hey, this is the return of the king. I'm looking forward to see a few baptisms and uh, looking absolutely looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs. Yeah, man, it's going to be a great time watching him play. I, I can't believe he's coming back. I can't believe Cam Akers is back. Absolutely insane this year. 100% man, but that about does it for the NFL man. Any final parting shots on any of the games that are be taking place this weekend? No, nah, man. I I think we I think we honestly hit it all. It's going to be a great week. So that about does it for our show. In between uh these little segments here though, we're doing some talking. Currently, there is no number one overall seed in the AFC. Hell, 
The AFC East doesn't even have a division champion yet. So, what could happen is if the Bills and Patriots both win, the Bengals win, the Titans and Chiefs both lose, there is not only a tie for the AFC East, there is a tie for number one seed in the AFC. In the AFC. It's absolutely mind-boggling, but in their first trip to the playoffs, in their first divisional title in I don't know how many years, the Bengals would end up being the number one seed in the AFC. And to me, that is absolutely insane. It's been exciting. Here's where it gets even crazier. Just one more thing to add to that. Technically, in that same situation, only the Bills lose and the Patriots win. The Patriots have the number one overall seed. So, realistically, anyone from who's currently ranked number one in the Titans down through the fifth-ranked team in the AFC, they all have a chance at the number one overall seed right now. Yeah. It is, and none of them are really completely in control of their own fate besides the Titans. They're the sole team in control of their own fate, and it's... It, it's easy for the Titans, man. Winning, winning, you got it. It's it's absolutely crazy. What do you say, man? You got some links for us, though? I do, I do. We have our Patreon, patreon.com slash football, facebook.com slash football. Jesus. Instagram.com slash BDT underscore football. Twitter, we love shouting out our Twitter. Twitter.com at BDT football. BDTfootball.com and mailbox at BDTfootball.com. Beautiful. I love how you just rattle them off because I stumbled like hell when I was trying to go through them all the other day. A lot of times I actually have my notepad up that has them on there. Oh, so you're a cheater. I see how it is. Hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Hey, I got a question for you. What kind of tag does a potato play? Do I want Hashtag. God damn it. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, clearly that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening. And once again, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches. Wow, what a great podcast.